0: The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. There's an untruth that's being circulated in many churches, which undermines what the Bible calls our blessed hope, the imminent appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, in the clouds. The lie that's being taught is that this idea of the sudden appearance of the Lord to receive his bride, this rapture of the church, is a relatively new doctrine. But the doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture is not new. It's always been in the Bible. So let's dig into this provocative subject. Hello, I'm Christine Dard. Is the pre-tribulation rapture a relatively new teaching in the history of the church, or has it always been taught in the Holy Scriptures? First of all, what is the pre-tribulation rapture? Well, it's the scriptural assertion that Jesus will return to snatch His bride, the true church, to glory before God's wrath is poured out on the earth during the final Great Tribulation Period of the Last Days. I'll talk more about that later. Meanwhile, in an effort to demean the biblical doctrine of the rapture, a smokescreen arose that a 19th-century Scottish girl prophesied this belief, and that it was later popularized by Bible expositor John Nelson Darby. But The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I wouldn't have you to be ignorant, brethren. Well, ignorant about what? He said, don't be ignorant. We who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with the resurrected dead in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall forever be with the Lord. Therefore, Paul said, comfort one another with these words. So this biblical doctrine of believers being caught up in the clouds at the appearing of Jesus is supposed to be a comfort to believers, and so it is. But sadly, many preachers and websites deny the pre-tribulation rapture. 1 Thessalonians 4:17, a very important verse, says believers will be caught up together in the clouds to meet Jesus. Now this verb caught up is harpazo in Greek, and from the same word in the Latin Vulgate Bible we get rapture in English. This seizing, this rapture of the church can happen at any moment. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, it can happen in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For he said, the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be instantly changed." So you can see by these references that the rapture is not a new teaching. And by the way, it's also not escapism. Believers who cherish this blessed hope purify themselves and try to win as many souls as possible because we're on high alert, watching. So the teaching of the pre-tribulation rapture was already contained in the New Testament For nearly 2,000 years, and it was also foreshadowed in the Hebrew Scriptures for many more millennia. The physical body of every born-again believer will suddenly be changed and be caught up into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. People today are so earthly-minded that they can hardly fathom that the Bible teaches such a doctrine whether you think it's preposterous or not, the Bible teaches a rapture of the saints that could occur in any moment. And I say, Maranatha, even so, come Lord Jesus. Now, as I said, the Greek word for caught up is rapatza, and it means to seize, to carry off by force or to snatch away. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians to reassure them about their loved ones who had already died in the Lord because they were fearful that their loved ones would miss out on the Lord's return or miss out on the kingdom. But Paul reassured them that no believer, dead or alive, is going to miss out on the Lord's return. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, Paul explained, "...for the Lord himself will descend from heaven." with a shout of command, with the voice of the archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. The Lord's voice will be backed up by the trumpet of God. Elsewhere, Paul said in Titus 2.13, We wait for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus the Messiah. So this doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture is indeed our blessed hope. Now in the days of Noah, only eight persons survived the flood. Jesus prophesied in Matthew chapter 24 that the last days would be like the days of Noah before the flood, when people lived to eat, drink, be merry, and marry. And they were oblivious until the Flood washed them all away, although Noah had faithfully preached to them. Jesus said that's how it's going to be when he returns. Two men will be working in a field. One will be taken and the other left. He said two women will be grinding together with a handmill, One will be seized and the other left. Therefore, he said, keep watching because you don't know when your Lord will come. But he said, if a homeowner had known when he was going to be robbed, he would have stayed home and not allowed his house to be broken into. So you also must be ready, he said, because he's coming at an unexpected hour to snatch his precious jewels, believers, from the earth. If a Scottish girl began prophesying about this doctrine, or if John Nelson Darby taught this doctrine in the 19th century, Please understand that they were not the originators. Jesus and the apostles taught the rapture before anybody in the 19th century. And that's why we have to be like the Bereans who were described in Acts chapter 17. They search the scriptures daily. The Bible says the Bereans were more noble of character because they diligently checked out if Paul's teachings lined up with the Hebrew Bible, of which they were, of course, very familiar. By searching the Scriptures, we can know that the blessed hope of the sudden appearance of our Lord and Savior in the clouds is assuredly a biblical doctrine, and it's not a fantasy that was concocted in the 19th century. So first, let's examine the Hebrew Scriptures, and we'll find some specific episodes illustrating the concept of the pre-tribulation rapture of the church foreshadowed in the Hebrew scriptures. In Genesis 5, a righteous man named Enoch walked with God, and one day God just took Enoch home with him to heaven. This was in the days prior to the flood. In Bible typology, Enoch is considered to be a type of the church, having been raptured out while Noah and his family are a type of Israel, and they were protected by God in the ark during the flood. Also in the book of Genesis, we learn an important precept when God visited Abraham to say that he was going to destroy the wicked twin cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham interceded and said to God in Genesis 18.25, "'Far be it from you to judge the righteous along with the wicked. And God said he would not destroy the city if 10 righteous persons could be found. And indeed, the righteous were pulled out of the town by angels before the destruction began. Now it is a fact that Christians often suffer unspeakable persecutions and other consequences resulting from weather disasters and so forth. But we're not destined to suffer God's eschatological wrath during the Great Tribulation. Many Bible scholars tell us that God's eschatological wrath will be on steroids as compared to the rest of history. And that's why Jesus told us in Luke 21:36 to pray that we be counted worthy to escape all of these things coming upon the earth. In the Genesis account of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah by fire, God's wrath couldn't be unleashed until Abraham's nephew, Lot, and his family were evacuated. Now, another example in the Hebrew Scriptures, in the book of 2 Kings, Elijah was raptured to heaven as he was walking and talking with his understudy, Elisha. Suddenly, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven by a whirlwind. Think about what the rapture will be like. You'll be suddenly parted from unbelievers. In the twinkling of an eye, which is Bible language for a nanosecond, there'll be a separation and a departure. 1 Thessalonians 4 describes the phenomena of the appearing of the Lord. There'll be a shout, a trumpet blast, and the dead in Messiah will rise first. And then those believers who are still alive, at His coming, will all be transformed instantly and caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Unbelievers won't hear or understand the shout of command. If they hear anything, it may sound like a thunderclap, but of course that's just speculation. The only thing they'll see is the chaos that follows. Well, in Elijah's day, search parties were sent out for Elijah, but he was never found. Elijah is a type of the rapture of the church. And by the way, Elijah appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus and Moses in Matthew chapter 17. In that scenario, Moses represents the law in those who've died. Elijah represents the prophets in those who will be raptured alive. Both companies, the resurrected dead and the living believers, will meet the Lord in the air. So for sure, Elijah is a type of the rapture. Now the book of Daniel also suggests a further typology that supports the doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture. When Daniel and his friends were living in captivity in Babylon, the people were ordered to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's golden image. That statue was a type of the coming Antichrist beast system. Daniel's three friends refused to bow down and as a consequence, they were thrown into a fiery furnace for refusing to worship the statue. But where was Daniel? Well, he's mysteriously absent. The Bible doesn't tell us the whereabouts of Daniel, but he becomes a type of the missing church, while his friends represent a type of Israel. And thank God Daniel's friends emerged from the furnace without even the smell of smoke on them, Because a fourth man, one like the Son of Man, Jesus, Yeshua, was walking in the fire with them. Now, these examples of the missing Daniel, the raptures of Enoch and Elijah, Noah's ark rising above the flood, the evacuation of Lot's family from Sodom and Gomorrah. All these episodes were recorded as examples for us who are living in the closing days of history. Now, some of the church believe in a post-tribulation rapture or a mid-tribulation rapture, but the pre-tribulation rapture is the only option that preserves the important Bible doctrine of eminence. You see, the doctrine of the imminent return of the Lord is embedded in this Bible, and you can't avoid it or discard it, and you can't pretend it doesn't exist. There are scriptures that teach that the Lord's coming will be sudden. Nobody will know the day or the hour. But if the rapture is mid-tribulation or post-trib, the time of the Lord's coming can be anticipated and even calculated from certain passages in the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. Think about that. Daniel the prophet in Daniel chapter 9 prophesied about the abomination of desolation. And this verse was also referenced by Jesus in Matthew chapter 25. This abomination happened in the past when the Jewish temple was defiled. And Jesus indicated an abomination that makes desolate will happen again in the future when the Antichrist defiles the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. And Paul talked about that. He said in 2 Thessalonians 2:4. This blasphemous event will happen when the Antichrist will oppose and exalt himself over everything that's called God or his worship so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Well, don't forget the Bible plainly states in Matthew twenty-five thirteen that no man knows when the rapture will occur. That means it must occur before any countdown period during the Great Tribulation. When the abomination of desolation occurs, it will be a time marker. That's why the pre-tribulation rapture must happen first. The rapture can only be a surprise if it happens pre-tribulation. Now, in the Hebrew Bible, there's also a reference in Isaiah, in chapter 26, and verse 20, scholars often say that this is a reference to the pre tribulation rapture. Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation is past. For behold, the Lord comes out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. Matthew Henry's commentary says that when we commend ourselves to God to hide us, he will hide us either under heaven or in heaven. Now let's review what Jesus taught about the rapture. In Matthew 24, which is a chapter concerning the signs of the end times, Jesus said two persons will be working in the fields. One will be taken and two will be sleeping in bed and one will be seized and the other left. Jesus used these examples of daytime and nighttime activities to teach that the rapture will happen instantly in all time zones. And in Luke 21, 36, Jesus made a statement that many eschatologists say is a clear reference to the doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture. Be always on your watch, he said, and pray that you may be counted worthy to escape all that's about to happen and that you be able to stand before the Son of Man. Now this week I read an interesting commentary by one Bible teacher concerning a hard passage, something difficult to understand in John chapter 11. That chapter chronicles the raising from the dead of Mary's and Martha's brother Lazarus. He'd been dead for four days. When Jesus finally arrived, Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Now, usually Martha is typecast as the unspiritual, busy kitchen worker, while her sister Mary was spiritual, sitting at the feet of Jesus. But I want you to listen to Martha's amazing faith, because she said to Jesus, But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. She said that knowing that her brother had been dead and buried for four days. Jesus answered, Your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And listen carefully what he said then. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And Jesus also added, And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this?" "'Yes, Lord,' Martha replied. "'I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God, who is come into the world.'" Now, the commentary said, could the Lord, in his answer to Martha, have been speaking of both the resurrection and the rapture? When he said, "'The one who believes in me will live even though they die,' He, of course, was referring to believers who are dead and buried, those who will be resurrected. But what about the second part of his statement? He said, And whoever lives and believes in Me will never die. Was he referring to the company of believers who will be alive at the time of the rapture? I do find the rapture a plausible explanation for this statement because the believers who are destined to participate in the blessed hope will never experience death. As Jesus said, they'll go straight from this mortal life into eternal life, instantly, without having to suffer the indignity of death. Think about that. But those who are sadly left behind won't be just the atheists the hardened criminals, the witches, and so forth. But many will be churchgoers. I'm talking about members of churches who were Christians in name only. They were never born again. They had religion, but not a relationship with Jesus. Something to think about. Well, what about the other apostles? What did they say about this doctrine? Many Bible scholars also see the rapture as an event that's unveiled by Jesus and John in the book of Revelation. The first three chapters of the apocalypse consist of visions and epistles that Jesus dictated to his churches. But after chapter three, the churches disappear. In fact, after these things describing the church age, There is a type of the rapture at the beginning of chapter 4 where John is given a command to come up to heaven. In verse 1 of chapter 4, Behold, a door opened in heaven, and John heard a voice like a trumpet. There is that trumpet again. And the trumpet voice was saying, Come up here and I will show you the things which must come to pass hereafter. And immediately John was in the spirit and he found himself at the throne of God in heaven. Now many respected Bible scholars say this scene of John's transport to heaven is a type of the rapture. So I hope you see that every scripture I've mentioned from the Bible is not a new doctrine, but the rapture is a theme found throughout the Bible. And throughout the entire history of the church, this doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture has been believed by many who have carefully studied the Bible. For example, Saint Victorianus was an early Christian ecclesiastical writer who flourished around AD 270. His commentary notes on the Apocalypse, the book of Revelation, indicated that the church will be taken away before the Great Tribulation. In the fourth century, Ephraim of Nisibus, was a theologian who admonished people not to desire to see the day of the Lord. Why? He said that anybody who sees the dreaded day of the Lord would mean that they've been left behind. He taught that the born-again believers will be snatched away and taken to the Lord's side before the great tribulation period begins. And the Puritan scholar Increase Mather He was the first president of Harvard University and a well-known preacher. According to Mather's theology, the true believers will be, quote, caught up into the air, thereby escaping the final conflagration. So again, the teaching of the rapture is nothing new. Today, many Bible teachers, such as Dr. Chuck Missler, Dr. David Jeremiah, and Bible chronologist Pastor Derek Walker of the Oxford Bible Church all teach a pre-tribulation rapture. Pastor John Hagee also teaches a pre-tribulation rapture. He says the rapture will be the turning point in the end times and the world will never be the same afterwards. You see, when the restrainer of the true believers is gone, the Antichrist will quickly be able to set up a global dictatorship and will require a mark on the right hand or forehead. If you miss the rapture, beware of taking the mark of the beast. Remember the word rapture means to be caught up. The scriptures teach that the Lord's remnant church will be raptured, however you want to say it, called up, caught up, snatched away, translated before the great tribulation the Lord will take us up. From my childhood, I've experienced dreams about the rapture even before I knew the name of the doctrine. Just as Elijah's mantle fell back on Elisha, so the gospel torch will fall back into the hands of the Jews. At the time of the rapture, the gospel torch will pass back to the nation of Israel and to 144,000 sealed evangelists from the 12 tribes. Therefore, God's work of the present restoration of Israel should alert every born again believer into doing the work of an evangelist. Time's very short to complete the fullness of the Gentiles into the body of Messiah from the nations. And what we don't complete, Israel will have to finish during the great tribulation. Meanwhile, it's my prayer that everybody who watches this program will commit their lives to the Lord urgently. It's important not to delay your surrender to the Lordship of Jesus so that when He comes, He'll appear as your Savior and not as your judge. Believe me, the sudden appearing of Jesus is our blessed hope. And Hebrews 9.28 is a very important verse that declares... Messiah was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. But if you're not waiting and looking for him, there's a great possibility he's not coming for you. So can we come to grips with Hebrews nine twenty-eight? If you believe it has any meaning, you need to wake up. But tragically, even many preachers say there'll be no rapture, although it's revealed clearly in this Bible. And if the Lord's coming is, in fact, imminent, how can we be ready for His sudden appearing? Well, the Bible promises in Romans 10, 9, that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. So please don't procrastinate your decision to receive the Messiah and his forgiveness from sins. Because the Bible clearly says, today is the day of salvation. We only have today, we're not promised tomorrow. And do you have family and friends who are not ready? Pray for them by name, that the Holy Spirit will convict them to accept the truth. And in the meantime, let's stay in touch through social media and our website at exploits.tv where we post weekly videos and where you can sign up to receive our electronic newsletter exploits. At our website, our previous videos are free to watch as well as an archive of articles on end-time topics on faith and healing as well. Please also download our free Jerusalem Channel app to watch our videos on your mobile phone or tablet. And so until next time, always contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem, I'm Christine Darg, Maranatha and Shalom. Here at the Jerusalem channel, we work hard to keep you informed and up to date on prophetic end time events in the Holy Land, but we also see so many great humanitarian needs. And that's why your support is helping to keep this ministry lifting up the name of the Lord in the Middle East. One of our most recent projects was to donate and dedicate a fully equipped ambulance to Israel's National Volunteer Rescue Service. The ambulance is available to assist everyone, Jews, Muslims, Christians, and yes, even tourists who might need medical assistance. So thanks for being a part of the Jerusalem Channel by your gifts through our website or through our ministry addresses in the USA and the United Kingdom. Please help us to be a blessing to all the people of the Holy Land.